With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail, Scott McDermott. On the pod today, three games, one goal and zero wins. We assess Rangers' grim record against Aberdeen and look at what went wrong. And your questions answered. Scott, I am struggling through the man flu today. I'm struggling manfully through the man flu. So if, if I sound worse, even worse than normal, then you know why. I'll take over, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do that normally, anyway. <laughs> Save the listeners from listening to my pish. Right, Scott... Where do we start uh, with this game last night? Uh, um, I suppose we should go to the goal in the sixth minute. Not much happened before that. Rangers started fairly well, to be fair. They did. Rangers, first five minutes, actually took control, played uh, played the game in Aberdeen's half. Looked really positive, um, as if they were going to really go on the front foot and <clears throat> take the game by a scruff of the neck. But first chance Aberdeen had, uh, a soft free kick in the kind of wide left position and kind of routine ball into the box. Not even a good ball, was it? It was a sort of scooping, dipping lob. Wasn't dealt with. Nobody taking responsibility. I think both centre-halves, as well as Koulibaly, went up for it. Um, Cosgrove was causing problems, obviously, um, in in the air. I'll correct you because I watched this about nine times because no matter how many times I watched it, I couldn't really decipher what had actually happened. What actually did happen was centre-halves were both n- not in the centre of the goal, basically. And it yeah. was a Jari and Koulibaly yeah. that were where you would expect the centre-halves to be. I don't know if it's a man-marked system. It looked like a man-marked system. I always thought Rangers used a, a, a combination of man-marking and zonal marking. But those were the two in the centre where you would expect the centre-halves to be. And what happened was they, they, they lost their men. Yeah. Cosgrove won the ball and he headed it off Ferguson's back. Right. And then the ball bounced over to McKenna, who was supposed to be marked by um, Gareth McCauley. Uh, right. And he'd got in front of McCauley and obviously was first to the ball. But McCauley actually, he was blocked, in a sense, by the, the stromash of bodies yeah. that were caused by this weird deflection. So there was a bit of bad luck about it. However, you've got to ask, why are the centre-halves not on Cosgrove there? He's the big threat. But why? Listen, it doesn't really matter who's on who somebody whoever's in that area has got to take responsibility and go and head the ball I mean as you've said there's two or three Rangers bodies going for it and no didn't win the first ball and then didn't react to the second ball certainly didn't react didn't react as quickly as uh, Scott McKenna who came up with a a great finish you have to say for a for a centre back Um, and that losing that goal so early was no, it was a problem for Rangers because Aberdeen predictably then went back into back into their shape. No, very compact. 
very defensive, sitting deep. And as we know, and as we've discussed so often on here this season, that is where Rangers really, really struggle to get get the better teams. We'll get into that, but I want to get drilled into the detail on these set pieces because this isn't the first one. In fact, it's not even the first one against Aberdeen because the semi-final game was a set piece, Lewis Ferguson. You've got the two set pieces against Motherwell. There's been other set pieces throughout the season. Now, you've got two centre-halves that are big, strong and can head the ball. What's going on? I know. Also, I would question why, if you're saying, I'd need to look at it again myself, but if you're saying that Jaria was a key man in there, I mean, with all due respect to Ovi Jaria, he's not the kind of guy I'd want no, the last line of defence, having to clear balls with his head. I know he's got decent size about him, but it's just no his game. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to want to put his, uh, put his head in the line, not to clear, clear balls. And certainly... The last uh, Aberdeen game, the semi-final, Lewis Ferguson was his man and he lost him again for the, the corner and was nowhere near him and Ferguson scores the, scores the goal. I think Ajaria was in, was in the deck by the time Ferguson uh, put it in. So maybe that has to be looked at. Uh, as I said, there's no many kind of attacking midfielders or number 10s that are that have been asked to no, asked to defend set pieces and, and mark some of the opposition's most dangerous uh, guys in the box. So that's clearly a problem. And you're right, there's been too many... <laughs> there's just been too many sloppy goals lost for, for set pieces. Uh, it feels and, like opposition managers are targeting that in Rangers. And Gerard's talked about that, hasn't he? He said, you know, they'll target us at set pieces. Yeah. I just think there's, a, there's still a vulnerability there. No, there's mm. been times this season... <clears throat> probably particularly in the European games actually where you've looked at it and thought the defence really look as if they've got their act together here there's a real solidity about them you think they you know, very recently the second half against Villarreal with 10 men and they had to you know, had to defend deep and keep them out and they did it relatively comfortably looked really solid but no, a bit like just Rangers in general I think this season no, they'll go on a, a decent run. I, I can uh, put together a few performances, and just when you think, right, this is it, they're going to really go and show what they're made of here. They throw in a performance like that, or throw in a goal like that, and that's that's what will frustrate Stephen Gerrard. I, I think in the post-match interview last night, you could actually see in Gerrard's face the the real frustration and probably a bit of worry there going forward that that these things you know, that you're talking about haven't haven't been ironed out properly and I think that will be giving him cause for concern because he'll be thinking about I mean this this is an important part of the season. You no, know, this month especially is crucial for Rangers with a lot of big games, but even thinking ahead, if he's serious and the club are serious about about going for a title or putting up a title challenge, when it really gets to the business end of the season, you know, come March, April, May, you just can't be thrown in performances like that. See if you ask him at the presser tomorrow about zonal marking, man marking, how it works, what's going wrong, what's the kind of response you get from a manager in Scottish football on that? Will they be happy to discuss that or is is that the kind of thing that you just wouldn't ask? Some man... No, I don't... <sighs> Listen, for a tabloid newspaper, maybe it's not the kind of thing you would ask because there's, no, you probably think... Scott, you work for the Sunday Mail. Our punters... That's not a... Well, it's a tabloid, but... That's a red top. Not really. You wonder whether... You do wonder whether punters are really interested in all that kind of stuff. I think they are... 
more now than than they've ever been really in my lifetime or, or my time working at the the newspaper. So no, I mean I wouldn't. You listen uh, to us, Braff, on well, for for an hour. So I certainly wouldn't bulk at asking the question about set pieces in terms of his own or a man, Martin. What I would say is, some managers are more would be more keen to talk about it than others, and Gerard is probably one that I actually don't think he would be that keen. And it's because as much as he's a, a modern-day manager and I don't doubt he's 100% thorough in preparation and tactics and set-pieces and whatever, I think he's old-school in the, in the sense that winning the game really is all that matters. I don't think he's really that interested in getting down to the, the nitty-gritty of where it went wrong. He's, I mean, he, he he's said, got Michael Beale for that. Well, exactly. He said last night... Mm. He said last night that he gave the players a game plan, he gave them instructions and was fairly blunt in his uh, in his comments where he said no a lot of them didn't carry those carry those instructions out and I thought that was that was pretty damning on, on players. We we could go on for ages again about the issue that Rangers have with deep lying teams in that low block. We've done it for we've done it so often I don't actually want to go in it again because yeah. anyone who's been listening to this podcast knows Exactly what we're going to say. You're right, but again, John, it did highlight, you no, know, if it needed highlighting, the need for, you no, know, an attacking midfielder to come in in January. I mean, it's absolutely crucial for Rangers going forward this season and in future seasons that they address the issue of somebody to play middle to front to try and create something because never has it been more evident than last night. Not just. Um, from a point of view of having that player that they don't have, but also I think perhaps the balance of the players they do have. Ryan Jack in a game like this, Scott, where a team is really defensive, do Rangers need that that pivot in there that's going to be mopping up when there is nothing to mop up? I mean, Aberdeen offered nothing in that game. Listen, you might be right, but I don't... Is that the, is that the major problem last night? I'm not so sure. I think Ryan Jack. I think Lewis Ferguson is dangerous enough, as he's shown this season, that you would you would want a sitting midfielder in there just to try and keep an eye on him. L- listen, I agree with that. But once a player gets sent off, yeah, uh, that's what I'm talking about. I think Gerard should have brought off Ryan Jack at that point and yeah. and, and tried to be a bit more attacking. Uh, although but, but to be fair, t- yeah, but he did take Flanagan off. He did make changes. And, yeah, and go for it. Uh, I mean, he couldn't. In terms of going for a result and trying to go for the, the jugular, try to get goals, try to change it up. On this occasion, I don't think Stephen Gerrard could have done much more. I mean, he used the options available to him uh, for the bench that, that were pretty limited in an in attacking sense. Um, but you think of the amount of attacking players they had on the pitch by full time and really never looked like opening Aberdeen up at all. I mean, Joe Lewis has had a couple of decent, couple of decent <coughs> saves, but... Listen, in general, it was too passive, it was too slow, there was no tempo. I thought it was really sloppy, which is the, no, as as a manager, I would imagine it's the thing that annoys them the most when their team is unnecessarily ragged and sloppy and in in and out of possession. I thought that was one of the major faults last night. Rangers couldn't do the... No, they couldn't even do the simple things right. When, when you're not playing well or you're struggling to create, if all the other parts of the game are fine, all the basics are, are, are fine, you can trust yourself or trust the team. Well, if we're doing everything right, something will 
something will come of it, yeah, or we'll get a chance. But last night, even the basics were so wrong. I mean, they were getting to, they, they were trying to build it up, but even getting to 25, 20 yards out, there was then a misplaced pass. Somebody was overhitting it, somebody was miscontrolling it. Clearly Aberdeen had said, we're going to let the centre-halves and Ryan Jack have as much possession as they like, because they didn't press at all. Yeah. And often what you were seeing was little triangles between the two centre-halves yeah, and Ryan yeah. Jack. And then, once they got the ball in a slightly more advanced position, they were they were on them. Yeah, because they know, as we've spoken about, that, that from central... Rangers are unlikely to hurt you with a, a killer pass. Um, and that's the job of Koulibaly, Ejaria, Arfield when he plays, or, or, or others. Um, if you can no, if you can nullify Rangers' wide men, who were also really poor last night, Candias and Middleton, if you can nullify that threat from wide, then you're going a long way to, to try to get a result. I think we both feel that Rangers have massively improved. We've said that over and over again, and I think we both think that Gerrard's done a, a, treme- a tremendous job. But is there a sense with this lack of a number 10 that there was a sliding doors moment in the summer? Because we ran several stories here at the Daily Record about Rangers' pursuit of Harry Wilson. And here's a player who plays a number 10 who can fire shots in from 35 yards in the top corner, free kicks, um, shots, you name it, he can do it. Uh, and we keep seeing these viral videos coming. Uh, on Twitter from yeah. Derby where he's he's doing that very thing is he the kind of player that could have made such a major difference uh, of course he has I mean we've seen that every week it's clear why there was so many teams in for him I mean to be fair to Harry Wilson he was partly doing it last season at Aye. Hull as well yeah. so I mean it's not a big surprise I think he's probably taking his game up a notch at Derby under uh, under Frank Lampard obviously <coughs> Um, he's keeping Martin Waghorn out of the team that'll surprise you that's well, that shows how well he's doing uh, no he he is probably um, no without what to be unkind he's probably a notch above your Ejarias and, and people like that if, if I'm being honest um, that's why Gerard was so so keen to get him it's why so many teams were were so keen to get him um, what, and what I would say is just you saying about the number 10 no, you need to remember Rangers don't actually play with a, a number 10 as such. I keep hearing people saying about Ajaria being the... It's no, it's... And I, I, no, and I hear people saying 4-2-3-1 and all that. It's 4-3-3 it's three, three they play with a sitting midfielder and then two midfielders in front at, at either side. And Ajaria is obviously one of them. But we're saying number 10 because... No, somebody has to take that responsibility. One of those midfielders, as I say, whether it's Arfield, Ejari, Koulibaly, whoever, one of them has to take responsibility to go and try and open teams up, and that's what's not happened this season. And obviously, Gerard has said before that he's a manager that's prepared to change it, although we haven't seen a lot of evidence of that beyond the 3-5-2 no. that he played at Motherwell, but... You would imagine that when we're talking about a number 10 coming in, potentially, we're talking about giving Gerard the opportunity to set his team up in that way rather than yeah. necessarily shoehorn them in. You know, someone like, uh, as we've discussed before, that, that you can bring on potentially with the last half an hour to go against the game in a game like Aberdeen last night and, and actually change the game. In terms of the big incidents, Scott, and there were a number in the game, um, there was obviously two sending-offs. The Cosgrove sending-off for me... Um, while the first one was definitely a book and I thought the second one, if that had happened to a Rangers player, I think people would be 
in uproar, frankly. Yeah, I, I don't think it was listen, a yellow card. Let's be honest, I mean, the first time, the first time I, I looked at it, I thought it was harsh. You look at it again, and no, it was a kind of 50-50. Cosgrove probably got there just first, and, and Goldson's kind of hit the underside of his, his foot. But I think the fact, I mean, the linesman gave a... No, correctly gave a bye kick immediately, but I think the referee has probably been influenced by the crowd, by the Rangers players or whatever, by Goldson obviously going down. I'm not saying Goldson, <coughs> I'm not saying Goldson wasn't hurt. I think he was because he kicked uh, the bottom of his foot fairly hard. But it wasn't yeah. it wasn't Cosgrove's fault, so that that was a wee bit harsh. But actually, Cosgrove had committed a few fouls. He had, and in, in seeing terms of Rangers' overall performance, looking back. Cosgrove getting sent off probably didn't help Rangers because at least 11 v 11, Aberdeen, granted they only had one up with, with Ferguson just off, but the game would have been a bit more open, there would have been a bit more space for Rangers to, to work in, to try, and as we said, even in the first five minutes, they get a few balls into the box, you know, they get down the right-hand side particularly and get a couple of crosses and that, and so there was, you know, there was spaces there to try and exploit, but as soon as they're sending off happens in Aberdeen are a goal in front they're just going to sit in sit in very deep and that made it really difficult for Rangers and just going back to the in terms of trying to break teams down we're, we're talking about Ajaria no one uh, one assist in the Premiership this season in 13 games isn't good enough no. and even for a young a young boy a highly rated young boy who, who Gerard has put a lot of faith in, has high hopes for, has played them in all the big games, um, has has praised them um you no know, rightly when he's when he's played well, but that return for an attacking midfielder with the ability he's got isn't he isn't he good enough going forward. No, absolutely not. We'll go into that in a little bit more detail. I think we've got some questions on that. Um the second one I think the referee got wrong was uh, Alfredo Morelos's first yellow card for me. There's absolutely nothing in that as well. Yeah, I don't think that's a yellow card at all. Don't know what it, you thought it about was that. Very, it was very soft. Unfortunately for Rangers, Morelos, it came at a point in the game where there was a load, of, there was a flurry of fouls. There was a flurry of fouls. The referee was was kind of losing the place a wee bit. And I think I think Morelos just committed that foul at the wrong time. You see it a lot when there's a flurry of fouls that go uh, without punishment. There's normally one that can uh, that's a straw that breaks a camel's back, and I think that that Morelos one on its own that wasn't a yellow card, but I think the referee was was kind of losing it slightly at that point and decided right enough's enough. I'm going to book somebody, and, and he was the unlucky guy. Before we go into the second yellow card for Alfredo Morelos, which obviously we have to talk about, um, I thought there was a strong call for a red card um, with a tackle by um, Graham Shinney on uh, Gareth McCauley. McCauley's breaking forward from his own half with the ball and Shinny just absolutely wipes him out for me. Dangerous, out of control um, and definitely a yellow, which he got, but potentially a red um, I can, and f- falls under the category of seeing them given. It does. Um, <laughs> it probably falls into the category of one of these ones that it's kind of worse than a yellow, but not quite a red, if you know what I mean. Um if he'd get a red card, I don't think he'd had many complaints about it. However, I think if that's if that's your team, you're saying right, sure it's a bad tackle, but 
a yellow card will probably suffice. Although Shinny did commit a couple of fouls in the first first half as well, so he was maybe slightly fortunate because the Macaulay one was a was a bad one. He was actually pretty good, Shinny, in the game. I thought um, really in your face, yeah, just just n- n- perpetual motion and non-stop. But I thought he he skirted the edge there and was pretty lucky. Now Morelos' second yellow card, Scott. This falls under what on earth was the lad thinking? I, I mean, this is a definite yellow card. I see a lot of people on Twitter trying to argue that it wasn't, but he, he's literally caught him in the face <laughs> with his fist, so or, or certainly his hand. It was so, just the fact that it's so needless. Yeah. I mean, it's like... I mean, was Graham Shinney particularly hurt by it? Probably not. Uh, but why do it right in front of the, the referee when the ball's not there to be won? It was totally... Petulant. Yeah, I mean, totally unnecessary. Um, and no, Morelos. I mean, there's a lot of. I know you'll have seen Rangers fans are very quick to defend Morelos. He's their player. No, they love him. You can understand it that they're quick to throw stats and that at you and, and whatever else. But he didn't help his case last night in terms of you know, giving people am- ammunition because. Listen, aside for And we should say before you say you go on to this, we've been his biggest defenders on here. We've course. said from the get go, I've got video from August of last year when we're talking about you need to give this lad a new contract. Yep. He'd only been in the door a couple of months yep. because he was impressing us so much. Uh, we've been totally back totally backed him to the hilt. So if we're giving him criticism now, I think it's because it's deserved. Yeah, and but last night Take this, even take the sending off out of the equation. No, he was he was so poor last night in his performance. And to, no, from what he's produced this season, nobody can argue with his goals return. Uh, it's been terrific. Some of his performances have been excellent. Um, he's no uh, playing that lone striker role. Uh, he's done a, no, a brilliant job for Rangers in certain games this season. But last night. Right for the off, he didn't look at it. Touch wasn't in. Uh, no, I thought his control was poor, movement poor, um, and j- just culminated in in this ridiculous, uh, ridiculous foul for the red card, and it's cost Rangers big time because no, we obviously they had a, a far greater chance of getting the goal back at eleven v ten than they did ten v ten, but no, just. No, not to mention just that. It's the games that he'll miss. It's the problems that he gives Stephen Gerrard in terms of selection and squad depth and, and stuff like that in that in that position. So Gerrard was Gerard has backed Morelos to the hilt this season, as you would expect most managers to do with their kinda with their centre forward to even even if he is slightly slightly fiery, slightly temperamental, but I think deep down last night Gerald would have been fuming with, with Morelos' performance and uh, ill-discipline, which is going to which is going to cost him. It seems to me that reading between the lines, Gerard is managing Morelos in a certain way. Yep. I think he seems to be a guy that needs that kid gloves approach. Yeah. He needs to be praised to get the best out of him. Yep. And you saw last night that Gerard was just I felt just almost holding back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think so. And he said about, you know, we sat down and had this team meeting and we, we sat and talked about it for 15 to 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. But I emphasised the importance of not losing control. 
and you felt like that was his way of getting across the point that, look, I told them, I've spoken to them, yep. and it'll be dealt with, but I don't think he wants to criticise Morelos directly, because yep. he knows 17 goals, he's a very important uh, team member, not just for his goals, but for what he brings to the team in terms of uh, bringing others into play. He's got yeah. quite a few assists as well this season. So Also missed a great chance last night. He did. People maybe forget about in the grand scheme of things. No, lashed at that shot, it required a bit of Finesse. Back composure, yeah. back finesse. It was a, that was a poor finish, but it tied in with his overall performance. I'm afraid. Yeah, the, I suppose the one positive for Rangers from last night, and listen, there weren't very many, was that Celtic drew their game with a, a, a late Motherwell goal that, that kind of rescued um, the situation somewhat because it means Celtic have only gained one point over Rangers now. That said, Kilmarnock have uh, now shot up to the top of the league and uh, you know that's not something we'd uh, ever expected to be saying at this point. Um, so w- where does this leave the overall situation? It's not been catastrophic, has it? It hasn't, but it's a golden opportunity missed for Rangers last night. I mean, when the, the mother will go and... In. I don't know when Steven Gerrard or the, or the players would have found out about it, probably not until after full time, but they will know that that was a... No, a huge opportunity missed to gain gain points in Celtic. Obviously, Celtic have got the game in hand, but approaching the the Old Firm game on the twenty ninth with this run of tough games that's coming up, um, no, what a chance it was for Rangers to no again about again about a ground to just by winning a no a home game against against Aberdeen. So to produce to produce that kind of performance and result on a night like that that could have been so important and so crucial for them um, that will have left the manager uh, hugely frustrated and, and disappointed Listen, he, he'll know the significance of it that it's okay saying no for the last couple of weeks quite rightly everyone at Rangers including Stephen Gerrard has been talking about this month about how important it is to build a bit of momentum uh, before the Celtic game no, to try and get through the month uh, unbeaten, try to build up a run of wins. And at Tynecastle, it started superbly for them. But in the second game of, the, of this kind of crucial period, they've went through in a performance like that. And that'll be, no, you can dress it up whatever way you like, that'll be hugely disappointing to the manager. Yeah, well, we're going to move on to the questions now. I've got a question for from uh, Joel Water Anderson. Um, also, was this Rangers? He's asked two questions, but we've only got time for one. Um, was that the worst Rangers have played since Gerard took over? It's certainly up there. I feel as if we've said that a couple of times, though this season a couple of I games. I think Livingston was the the one that stands yeah, out for me. Livy, Livy away probably was. Yeah, that, that was really that was really poor as well. Um, so there's been a couple, but that's certainly certainly up there, especially when they've been so strong at home. You know, the home form's been been excellent. Uh, they've looked like beating just about everybody at Ibrox. Uh, you know, they've racked up a lot of goals as well at Ibrox. So for them to get through that 90 minutes last night, uh, a chunk of it obviously been against 10 men, not to really create any you know, guilt-edge chances. Um, and not to pick up any points has to be up there with the worst. 
Yeah, I, I thought from I thought it was the worst when I watched the game, but watching back the highlights, there was a significantly more chances Rangers had than it, than actually yeah. felt at the end of the game. So I would probably say that game against Livingston was the worst performance. But uh, given that it was Aberdeen and their rivals, I think it was a pretty disappointing result. Um, question here from Scott Cameron. It's a good one. Um, what is going on with Barisic as he appears to be fit yet doesn't even make the bench? Not helping the left side at all, persisting with Flanagan, who the manager appears to have a blind spot for. Now, Scott, you have backed John Flanagan from early on this season in the yep. podcast. How do you feel he's getting on now? Because he seems to have had something of a form dip. He has. He's certainly poorer uh, now in terms of performance than he was at the start of the season. Um, I don't mind saying I thought it was a terrific signing by Rangers. I was really impressed with his first few games. Uh, even at left back where we know he's out of position but we also know he's played there a lot for different English clubs it has been used in the the opposite side uh, fairly regularly so it shouldn't really be an excuse but there's no denying I think Scott touches on it there there's no denying that particularly games at Ibrox when Rangers are in the front foot and they're, they're, they're attacking teams and you know, that they've got the bulk of possession there's no denying the fact that having a, a right footer playing at left back is hampers you in terms of trying to trying to get forward. You, know, you lose a bit of rhythm, a bit of tempo. I don't really see uh, whether it's been Ryan Kent or Glenn Middleton or whoever. I've not really seen Flanagan strike up the kind of relationship, the kind of understanding that you see with Tavernier and Candias on the other side. And I think that's partly because John Flanagan has to come inside on his right foot all the time. Uh, so you, don't, you just don't get that that rhythm down that side. And I feel as if in certain games that has cost them. Uh, obviously Andy Halliday's come in at certain points and played really well. I thought he was, e- no, he was excellent at Tynecastle last week. And actually even in the space of like an hour at Tynecastle, I thought Halliday and Gresda even had a, had a wee bit of understanding. But it's because both of them are comfortable in the in the left hand side. Um so it is a it's an issue for Gerard in terms of Barisic, he was the guy that was brought in to do that role, to play that position as left back. They've spent a good bit of money on him. Again, he impressed with Osijek, that's why Rangers went and got him. First few games he came in, again, looked really strong. But he's clearly had injury problems and I was surprised to see him not even on the bench last night. He'd only had 45 minutes. He had, but but you'd have thought the 40, no, if you weren't going to include him in the squad, why not give him 60 or 90 in the mm. in the reserve game? Mm. Uh, it looked like he'd been pulled off in the reserve game. Uh, no, we might mind to play him, uh, play him last night or at least him coming off of the bench because he actually, as much as he's a, he's a left back, once Gerard puts on Lafferty and uh, who else did they put on last night? Attacking wise, Lafferty and Gresda. Yeah. They were his two best attacking players on the bench. But Barisic might have actually offered you something for the bench purely because he's delivery for the, the left hand side. That that might have been uh, a kinda another kind of card to play, if you like, towards the end of the game. So isn't there another element to this, Scott, which is Rangers fans who have been watching the team for the last, you know, six, seven, eight years realise that there's a left back that's better than John Flanagan or Andy Halliday in the squad, and Lee Wallace. 
you know, we've seen him play. We know that he's better than those two players. Now, if he's the same player, yeah, that's what I was going so to that's, the, that's yeah, the question. What's going on there? He might be better than them, or he might have been better than them, Lee Wallace at his peak. But, I mean, how can we possibly know mm. what kind of shape he's in, uh, how fit he is? No, has he lost any of that kind of galloping pace that he had going up, going up and down the left we just don't know I mean I've no I know he's featured in a couple of I think he played in that reserve game the other day uh, and I've not seen any any footage but of course it's an option I, th- I think Gerard has said that you know, he's aware of Lee Wallace's qualities he knows what he can bring and he's certainly not averse to, to playing him if, if required but he clearly feels that in Flanagan Barisic and Halliday He's got three better bets in that position at the moment. Yeah, okay. Well, we've got one from uh, Mikey Stewart, 18. Do you think McKenna can play in the English Premier League? Very impressed with him last night. I thought he was excellent last night. I have to say I've been a McKenna sceptic. I thought he was a bit immobile, despite the fact he's got a bit of pace about him, and I thought he'd struggle against players with a low centre of gravity, like Morelos last night. However, I have to say this season, and for Scotland, I'm changing my opinion. Yep. Um, he's very quick, he's very powerful and I thought last night he led that Aberdeen defence pretty peerlessly for 90 minutes in a game that uh, Rangers were dominating that, that was that's probably as good as I've seen him in a, in a big game, I thought he was good in the cup final on Sunday against Celtic he as was. well, but that McKenna looks like he's really hitting, you know, hitting a bit of top for him for them, I mean I'm a wee bit like yourself, maybe not quite as much, but I mean I watched him coming through kind of Scotland under-19s, under-20s and stuff, and I was a wee bit sceptical, but I think part of that was because you look at him at that age and think, you know, why is he not getting a chance at Aberdeen? You know, he's shipped out in loan a couple of times, he went to Air United at one point and you know, actually didn't play in, in all of their games, so you think, well, you know, is, that, is there a problem there? Why is he not no kicking on? But clearly looking at him now, no, he just needed a chance, and I mm. think now that he's had that chance at Aberdeen, he's really no, he's really thriving. We know the clubs that were interested in him uh, in the summer for serious money, especially when you look at Aston Villa and, and Celtic. We're obviously we're obviously keen, um, but there's no doubt he is now a no a key man for Aberdeen, if not their most important player when you consider his kind of value on and off the pitch for, for that club. And certainly last night, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, we are, we are, no, we are quite rightly questioning Rangers' uh, kind of attacking threat and their creativity and their guile and stuff, but you need to give a bit of credit to Aberdeen's defence, who really stood for him, and McKenna was at the, at the heart of that for them. Got a question here from Scott Cameron. Do you agree that too many of the squads um, are used in a rotation? They aren't used to the heavy schedule. And I thought last night it looked a very tired performance. In terms of the rotation, listen, you'd, I think any supporter would rather you know, they watch their team every week. They can have the same team, one in, week in, week out. You could pick the same defence. No, he could name nine, ten of the eleven. That that for any supporter, I think, is the the ideal scenario. However, in the modern game, it rarely happens like that now. Uh, and with Rangers' schedule this season, largely due to the Europa League involvement, I just feel that Steven Gerrard thinks that 
is impossible to, to ask the same guys to go to the well time and time again. I mean, even you look at Celtic last night, drop points, seven changes by Brendan Rodgers. You know, he's giving guys like Johnny Hayes and Lee Griffiths and, and others a game and you know, they've dropped a couple of points as well. I just think, A, it's a bit the kind of way the world just now, but B, the, the Europa League games... I think I've taken so much out of Rangers physically that Gerard feels that is the only way to go. Listen, at the elite clubs like Rangers and Celtic in Scotland, this is the way it is now because the managers are actually guided by sports science. Yeah. Now, Tommy Wright at St Johnson, he'll still rely on what he sees in training and it's the same with other clubs in Scotland that aren't at the same level as Rangers and Celtic. But at the top clubs here... Um, you'll have your sports scientist, Jordan Wilson, will come to Stephen Gerrard and say, here's the hard data on these players and their fitness levels. And you might want to think about dropping X, Y, or Z because his outputs are not where they should be. Yep. Um, that is that is the reality. That's how it works in the Premier League. Gerrard's bringing those standards to Rangers, and unfortunately, this is the modern game. And when there's this amount of games and yeah. fixtures, that's what they have to do. Yeah, um, look, look at Aberdeen. Aberdeen last night... Then McInnes would have been well within his rights to make a few changes last night after playing in a cup final that would have taken a lot <coughs> taken a lot out of his team physically and mentally, you know, when you consider how they kinda of lost the lost the game one 0 But he didn't he went in with the exact same team bar one, obviously with Gary McKay Stevens injury had to make one change. But you could see Aberdeen's defensive performance on Sunday against Celtic <coughs> was very strong. He kept the same back four, the same midfield in front of them, and they just kind of went into the, it looked like they went into the game at Ibrox in that mode again and just carried that on for, for Sunday. That's that's an example of the advantage you can get just by picking the same the same team for a couple of games in a row. Rangers haven't really done that. There's normally been you no know, two or three changes at least for every for every game. I know the defence. Uh, well, even the defence, I was going to say defence stayed the same for Tynecastle, but didn't because Flanagan came in for, for Halliday, so there was a change there. So, um, But as you say, the Europa League involvement has changed everything. If Rangers had got knocked out that night in Russia by Ufa with nine men, and Rangers' sole, uh, kinda sole focus this year was the Premiership, I, th- I think you would have seen Steven Gerrard pick the same team as regularly as he possibly could um, to try and build momentum, try and get into a rhythm, try and go on a run of, a run of wins that was going to take you to the top of the table and go and, go and challenge for, for trophies. But the Europa League thing um, being so unexpected in terms of their progress, an actual chance of qualifying now for the knockout stages, that has kind of... Uh, no, throwing that out of the window such because he, he now feels as if he has to has to change it up game by game. I've got one from at Stevie Boxall. Um he's saying, Do you think Stephen Davis is an option? This is one we, we hear over and over again. It's refusing to go away on social media. And would you take him back in January if available? Well, I've got one thing to say. Steve, Stephen Davis played at Wembley last night for Southampton against Spurs. Where did he play? Sitting midfielder. Rangers don't need another sitting midfielder. But wouldn't he be a massive upgrade as a sitting midfielder on on Ryan Jack? Isn't that part of the problem, is the balance in the midfield and not having a player that's creative in that position? 
how can you? I don't see how you can create for that position. Name name me a defensive midfielder that creates chances. Andrea Pirlo, because he's low lying and he, he he passes the ball so quickly. Yeah, but Pirlo create Pirlo would have created clear cut chances from no a long pass over the def- no a, a brilliant pass, but a long pass over the defence. No splitting a defence or whatever. <laughs> We're trying, we can't compare Ryan to Andrea Pirlo, right? I know it's the exception rather than the rule. The point I'm supposed to... The point, what I'm saying is Ryan Jack, Ryan Jack, Jordan Rossiter, um, even Koulibaly to a, a lesser extent, they can all play that position. Well, we've spoken about why Koulibaly's no great in that position, but they've all been used in that position. I don't think Rangers are that bad off for the guy who has to sit in front of the defence and try and try and build the play. I know Ryan Jack didn't play well last night, but what do you what do you think Stephen Davis is going to change about that? Well, I think he'll move the ball quicker. Right. He'll move the ball quicker and he'll um, have an eye on moving the ball forward more often. If Stephen Davis was to come in, for example, possibly. I don't even know if it's Stephen Davis. I just think they need an upgrade in that position. Someone who is more attack minded, because. Not only is there a move in the game generally towards this deep-lying defensive midfielder not being that Kante, Makaleli type, but to be more creative like Jorginho is at at Chelsea. But I think Rangers, very specifically, because they're so often playing against teams that that will defend against them for their lives. I mean, obviously not against Celtic, not in Europe. They need a defensive specialist in those games. But in the other games, I think it's more of a requirement to have a, a, a defensive midfield type player that can actually play forward. The perfect example I would use is under Mark Warburton's team. Warburton knew that he had an issue there in that um, defensive midfield, but he used Halliday every week because he knew that more often than not, having a creative player in that position would come up trumps rather than having Dom Ball, who's just destructive and defensive. Yeah. So that's why he did that. And, and I think that is something Listen, that I, I Rangers get, have to think yeah, about. I get the general point. In games where Rangers are going to be in top and you know, they're playing against lesser sides in, in the league, fair enough. I mean, do you, do you really need a, a sitting midfielder? I, I, I get that. I'm all for in games that you're dominating. No, you might just... No, why don't you... In, in a lot of these games, you could argue you just go with two midfielders that just kind of go box to box and go and go and try and create for you. But no, whether we like it or no, the, the modern game and certainly the the system that Steven Gerrard's used this season has always had a a deep line midfielder, and I don't see that changing. Of course, Steven Davis is a good player. I think his best days are behind him. I think Rangers probably get his best best days, albeit he was you know, he's, he's been excellent for Southampton in general in the, the Premier League for a, for a few years now, but Rangers fans craving a Stephen Davis return are going to be disappointed I think the Stephen Davis that they get back if that move is to happen because he's not going to be that all action box to box midfielder that, that they that they seen back in, uh, back when Walter Smith signed him, obviously initially in loan and then, and then permanent I just okay, Scott. Strong opinion. I, I like it, it. I see it as a. I'm not saying it's a backward step. The guy's a a good player, a top international player. But is he what Rangers need right now? I don't think so. Okay, Greg Doherty, discuss please. That's from at Royal Blue 1872. For me, uh, I don't think Greg Doherty 
at the moment would um, improve this Rangers midfield. I think he should stay on loan for the rest of the season, um, learn the game down there. He's doing very well, and I don't see any reason for that to, to change. No, I, I agree with that. Um, Greg, Do- I like Greg Doherty, but at his age, it was important for him to go and play regular games. He's getting that at Shrewsbury. Um, you're never quite sure what the standard, what the level is like down there, but the reports seem to be good. He scored a few goals for, for midfield. He's playing pretty much every week. I think he'll benefit hugely from that. He'll go back to Rangers in pre-season where Steven Gerrard will have another look at him and decide then if he feels he's, re- if he feels he's ready to take that step and, and be a regular first-team player. But, f- but for now... I think that was a good move for for Greg Doherty, and I'm sure no Rangers will see the will see an improvement and, and see the benefits of that come the summer. Okay, a th- great tweet here from uh, Crazy Horse. He says Ajaria's scoring and assist stats are pitiful for a forward-thinking midfielder. You've already sort of touched on this, Scott. He plays in the zones that are comfortable for him rather than the ones that are uncomfortable for the opposition. And he hid from throw-ins last night. Totally agree. I think it's a great point. Great way of putting it. Uh, I might, might steal that for a piece. Yep, I've, <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I mean, I've said it before. Uh, I've, prob- I've probably not worded it quite as, quite as well as that. But I, I've said to you before that where Ajaria frustrated me is that he's so keen to get in the ball. I mean, that's... Yeah, I know your man saying he's hiding for throw-ins. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I think he always wants the ball. Yeah. And he always takes it in tight positions. He's got so much belief in his own ability. Even when he's got a guy up his backside, he'll, he'll take it. And you know, he's not afraid to uh, take it under pressure. What frustrates me about him is that when the game gets, uh, gets really tight, there's not a lot of space... The opposition retreat into that defensive block that, that we saw for Aberdeen again last night and we've seen for a few uh, opposition teams at Ibrox this season. Rather than <coughs> rather than find space in the final third to try and create something, to me, Ajaria steps out and you know, takes a step back and that does get him on the ball. I understand why he's doing it because he, he thinks that no, I need to get touches of the ball, so the only way I'm going to get it is just be, you no, know, be, be going back the way. But when he goes back, as we've touched on, as one of those two advanced midfielders, you're not going to create chances for there. Um, and you no, know, the forward passes for Rangers players last night, including Ajaria, any forward pass had no real purpose to it. It was going forward, coming straight back. It was going forward into an area where really couldn't hurt Aberdeen. It was going forward into an area where it was one Rangers player against two. No purposeful forward passing <clears throat> that was going to create clear-cut chances. And I think that's where Ajaria has to improve massively. Nobody is doubting his technique or his ability on the on the ball. He's got great, you know, a great skill set in that regard. But the numbers aren't good enough even for a, a man of his, a young man of his age, and Stephen Gerrard's no daft, he'll know that, he'll be on his case, Liverpool will know that, because, no, don't think for a minute, Liverpool will be looking at him to see what he's producing, especially down south, when you think, no, they go for numbers, whether it's goals, assists, whatever, 
they all want to see a better, <coughs> a far better return for Ajaria against the level of opposition that he's, he's up against up here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, I think we're going to end it there, Scott. We've done a, done a good few questions that we've gone through. We'll be back next midweek uh, with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. Hopefully we'll get one done on Tuesday or Wednesday next week. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can by tweeting us at uh, Johnny R. McFarlane for me and at Scott McDermott 8. Um, if you want to take up a task about his comments on Steve Davis, which I'm sure you do, just feel free to get right stuck in there. Scott likes a good Twitter rumble. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Free